0: Hi, my name is Moshe Kindler, and I'm the publisher of the Jewish Link.
1: Hi, this is Elizabeth Kratz. I'm editor of the Jewish Link,
0: and you're on the Jewish Link Pitch Meeting podcast. You know, you called me le- or you texted me or emailed me last week saying that um, that you and the OU were going to be meeting with uh, the Biden administration, and I think you, you just came back from yesterday. I think you said you met with uh, with Secretary of State Blinken, um, and I and I think we're we're interested in hearing. Uh, about that meeting, and uh, then I, w- I want to hear about it. I think certainly Elizabeth and I are interested in hearing about it, and I'm sure we'll have questions. So uh, Nathan Nathan Diamond, uh, please welcome to the podcast.
1: Um, yeah, Nathan Diamond, Dir- uh, Director of Government Advocacy, Government Affairs at the Orthodox Union. Um, I think that's your title these days. Has been for a long time. You've been at the OU a long time, uh, I from have. what I remember. And we've partnered with you many times, many different projects over the years, having to do primarily with government funding of various initiatives that are important to the Jewish world. And I think that you continue to work on behalf of the Jewish people. Uh, I guess, could you give us an update on what's been going on in Washington and on your advocacy efforts there?
2: Um, sure, and it's a it's a pleasure to be with you both. Um, <clears throat> I apologize for being a little bit hoarse. I I, I, I caught something on the on the LL flight either to Israel or back from Israel, where I was on an emergency trip with OU leaders uh, and other American Jewish uh, organizational leaders uh, from last Wednesday through Shabbat, uh, and we can talk about that a little bit if you want as well. But um, you know, the OU, um, the OU Advocacy Center, which I'm privileged to lead, um, is uh, one of the leading or the leading uh, points of contact between our community um, and uh, the U.S. government. We've, we've been doing it a long time, so we have a, a really deep set of relationships with leaders of both political parties. And as you mentioned, Elizabeth, you know, we, we work on a lot of issues for the community funding for schools and uh, religious liberty. but as everybody really feels sharply right now nothing's more important than our than our support for the security and welfare of Israel that's what we are as a community must most deeply uh, passionate about and feel feel most deeply um, and so you know all of that capital and goodwill that hopefully we've built over the years comes into play um, because, politics is really about relationships. And so um, we've tried, um, you know, to bring the voice and the views of our community into these discussions um, with President Biden and his team. Um, and so um, a week and a half ago, uh, just a few days after the war started, I was at a meeting uh, with other broader American Jewish community representatives with President Biden. Um, and then as you mentioned uh yesterday, Moshe, uh I was part of a small group that met with Secretary of State Blinken. Um and what I would say is the common denominator in those two meetings, even though they were separated by I guess about um maybe a week or so, a time is a little bit of a blur these days. Um, is that uh in both meetings, uh the president and the secretary of state respectively have said the same thing, um, which is uh, very clearly they support Israel in this war. Israel has the right, not just the right, but the obligation to defend itself and to respond. And they totally support uh, Israel's actions to literally dismantle Hamas. Um, and uh, and they've been very clear um, in the way, sadly, some other... Leaders of other sectors of American society have not been uh, that what Hamas did is absolutely evil. There's no justifying it. There are no excuses for it. Uh, so on down the line, um, you know, in between those two meetings, not only did I go to Israel, but President Biden went to Israel, uh, and that was very. I was actually that we arrived there the same day that he did, um, and I can tell you, we can talk about this more if you want. Uh, the reaction and the appreciation um, from everybody, I mean, our group saw Prime Minister Netanyahu and a couple of his senior people, and then, as one does, we talked to people, you know the taxi driver, et cetera. Everybody in Israel was deeply appreciative of President Biden's trip. Um, you know it was it was remarkable because no American president had ever got on a plane and went to Israel during any of its past wars. Um, so that was really remarkable. Um, and uh, And again, the Secretary of State yesterday carried that messaging through. Um, look and and now there have been a lot of discussions. There's been a lot in the media about uh, you know, is the United States in any way um, trying to uh, restrain or or guide Israel in one kind of direction or another kind of direction in terms of what they're doing? um what i can tell you from those meetings and from what i've seen so far um is that they're, the leaders the, the position of the leaders of the us government is these are israel's decisions to make uh in terms of how they do this operation they're 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 trying to the way they put it is they they're asking questions to israel about how they're doing it and they're trying to give advice uh, there was just uh today you know, the latest sort of manifestation of that is they've dispatched a three-star Marine, U.S. Marine Corps general over to Israel. He was the general in charge of of, of operations in, uh, I think it might have been Mosul or Fallujah. I, I don't remember which, uh, in which the United States military, you know, had a long, bloody, difficult urban warfare situation. And they're trying to bring that expertise to the table with the Israelis, Um, but so far, uh, you know, everything, everything we've heard and everything we've seen, um, has been from a position of the American government being overall very supportive and, and giving Israel the room that it wants to operate.
1: Okay. So, so I guess going, I know, I know it's a little early and it's not even November yet, so we can't really talk Turkey specifically, but in terms of what, you are there to do inside those rooms. Could you share your specific role? And then maybe also um the kinds of, I don't know, specific funding initiatives that have been brought by the president's office to Congress, even though Congress is basically not doing anything right now because it has no speaker, but basically how can we under better understand what you're doing in those rooms and uh how you are representing uh the Jews in these rooms
2: uh sure uh, i again i don't claim to represent all the Jews nobody could do that uh not even moshe Rabbeinu. um but uh true but um you know uh look on the again what i did and this came out publicly what i what what I felt was my role in the meeting that we had with President Biden again, just a few days after the war broke out, and in a few days again, his his support was very clear, very robust, um, and he made his remarks um, very strongly in support of Israel. Um, it wasn't really, the meeting was not set up for it to be conversational. It was he was in, he gave remarks and then he was going to leave, and we were going to spend time with his national security advisor and other senior people. Um, but I I felt like um, somebody had to say thank you to the president for, for what he had done so far and how he'd spoken clearly so far in support of Israel, both because, frankly, you got to say thank you for those things um, and also to try to encourage him, right, to stay on that path. So... Um, uh, I never done this before, but I've been doing this long enough that I had enough chutzpah to sort of uh, stand up and start talking, even though that wasn't the format or the plan. Luckily, the Secret Service did not tackle me um, because you presented me because
0: uh, you didn't present a, a threat properly enough. Probably, and,
2: uh, you're and not I was scary able, enough. <laughs> and, and I was able to make the point that we the, again. I, I'm sorry that again days days are a little blurry, but when we were meeting, it was 80 years to the week. Um, that 400 rabbis had come to Washington seeking a meeting with President Roosevelt to try to get him to take action to save Jews in Europe. And they were refused a meeting with Roosevelt. They were refused entry to the White House altogether. Um, And I said to Biden, quite literally, 80 years ago today, that's what happened. And here we are 80 years later, and you've invited us into the White House. And we're having, you know, a discussion with you about supporting Israel and the Jewish community, and that, and and that's just remarkable. Um, and we appreciate that, and we have to appreciate that. You know, what I what I would say though also is, um, and this was sort of highlighted uh, in the meeting yesterday with the Secretary of State. You know, the American Jewish community is diverse. Um, one of the things that's been striking in this current terrible situation is that just like in Israel, you know, the differences and the debates, um, they haven't gone away permanently, but for the moment, right? Everything else has been put aside um, between secular and religious, between left wingers and right wingers. I mean, which is understandable. they're They're literally in a fight for their lives. And all the other stuff has been shoved aside is not important right now. Um, That has largely happened in, uh, you know, in the American Jewish community as well. Um, um, There are still some folks for sure on the far left, even of the American that are Jewish and are not there. But um, if you look at the, you know, all the religious streams in the american jewish community are on the same page most of the political organizations right left and center are on the same page again not to say that there aren't differences but um you know just to give one example which might be i don't know how much how much your viewers or readers follow this but you know j street uh, with whom certainly we at the ou disagree a lot on their views about uh, israel uh I would just say J Street is not in the camp of those who are calling for an immediate ceasefire. Um you know, uh, and um are saying they
0: support right, Israel's right to defend itself. Shocking.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, they're supporting Israel's right to defend itself and they're not calling for an immediate ceasefire the way some some folks to the left of J Street are. Um now at the same time um J Street has said that, okay, Israel has to defend itself and Israel has to dismantle Hamas, but we should all realize that after the war is over, the only way forward after that is to get into negotiations about a two-state solution and a Palestinian state and so on and so forth, right? You know, in, in the context of of a meeting with with government officials you know they uh the j street representative articulated that view um which which by again some people uh, even in Israel might agree with that right but they're certainly not talking about that now um so going to your point about like what's what role can I play as a representative of our community in these kinds of meetings um I was able to say um you know, as a comment in response, so to speak, to the J Street spokesperson say, let me just, you know, make a cautionary note there. I didn't have to get into a direct conflict with him. You know, should we ultimately be working for a two-state solution or not? I was able to simply point out that right now, no politician in Israel, right? Even the most left-wing politician in Israel can stand up and say, we're going to fight this war and one day we're going to then, you know, work towards having a Palestinian state, uh, you know, in the West Bank, uh, in Judea and Samaria. I mean, that that is that is a politically impossible position to be taking given the reality in Israel right now. So I pointed out, like, you know, if even if the United States would articulate that position, right, it's counterproductive because you're putting Israeli political leaders in an impossible situation. Right? If the United States would come out and say, Israel has a right to defend itself, fight this war, destroy Hamas, but then we want to work towards a two-state solution, then a, a reporter shoves a microphone in the face of Bibi Netanyahu, Benny Gantz, Yair Lapid, or anybody else and says, what do you think of what the United States just said? And, you know, you've put them in an impossible situation. Um, so... You know, I think uh, that was not the most important thing discussed in this meeting, but that's an example of a different perspective. And often, you know, I'm I'm the only uh, Orthodox representative in the room, and I can bring that perspective to the table.
1: And what? How is the advocacy angle going on the kinds of support that Jewish people, individuals, institutions? schools synagogues need right now in terms of safety preparedness and things like that i i know that's not your direct role but i'm sure oh, the state at ad- oh okay i i know it's <laughs> it's some it's somewhat state advocacy but there is a federal aspect
2: oh there's definitely a federal aspect okay. you know we, we we spearheaded uh the creation of the nonprofit security grant program uh more than 15 years ago at this point which is the federal government grant program for security grants to schools and schools and others. Um, unfortunately, we started that program, it was a $25 million program. This current year, it was a $305 million program. I'm not proud of that. I'm not happy about that, that we've needed so many resources. Um, the, the president has put already started proposing you know, what they call in Washington a supplemental appropriations package. It's basically an emergency allocation of funds, um, not in the regular budget cycle. Um, and we, we are advocating and pressing for $500 million in that package to be for money to go into the federal security grant program for shoals and schools and other institutions in the community for security.
1: Okay. So what does happen in the context of and sorry to ask all these questions to you, I just rapid fire questions, motion, well, feel free to uh, break it in here. But I was going to say, what does happen when we're at this moment where the House of Representatives has no speaker? I think that the third speaker candidate is now going up for a vote at some point today, maybe or tomorrow or whenever. What what does that do to lawmaking?
2: Well, it, uh, it literally makes lawmaking impossible because the House of Representatives can't do anything uh, without a speaker. Now, it hasn't actually been a real practical issue yet because, again, the war only started, um, what, uh, two weeks ago. Um, it takes some time you know, for the White House to get together, like, what is it we want to propose? What is it we want to ask for? We've been talking to the White House. We've been talking to allies in Congress, um, they're putting all that together. The president just put out his initial sort of outline of a proposal this past Friday. Um, and it still needs to be worked on more. The Senate, um, the Senate can go first. This is not something that you need the House to start with. So the Senate can and will go first and start working on it um, c- concretely next week, probably. And hopefully... Uh, Maybe the third time's a charm. And by the time the Senate does its business, the House will be back in business and be able to um, and be able to move the legislation that the Senate passes. Um, So it's definitely definitely a concern. Um, But again, it hasn't been actually it hasn't we haven't yet hit the moment where the Senate has passed the bill and now we're just stuck because the House is in suspended animation.
0: But we could get yeah. it. Could
2: it could theory, very theory, very easily we happen in a week we or two. There, yeah. But but, uh, but we're hoping not. We're hoping not.
1: I wanted to ask about. Um, I think um, we have these micro issues and macro issues, and of course the larger. All of it is happening in the context of the larger international uh, environment, and uh, one of the things that we're. Experiencing here in Teaneck is a lot of on-the-ground hate Right, it's something that's never come to our shores before Even if even though Teaneck doesn't really have shores except for the Hackensack River and nobody really goes there, but like we are in a different kind of World at the moment than we were Two weeks ago. We have outright hate we have someone who has uh, run off the road yesterday or even today I don't know when that happened okay. today um, wow. we have we've we have outright protests going on I don't know if you saw any of the news updates we were putting out but the in, in Teenek New Jersey had a really sizable free Palestine protest uh, that basically would be illegal in Europe at this point and right. it was pretty scary so I'm sure so um, does our government know about this? What is what is our what is our federal government thinking and doing on these kinds of topics uh, in terms of physical safety of American citizens?
2: No, so the federal government very much is aware of this from the top down. Um, I mean, President Biden has denounced anti-Semitism, et cetera. Um, we have a very close relationship and are constantly talking to uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, Mayorkas, um, who is very concerned and very on top of this. Um, before two Fridays ago, when there was this supposed day of rage, um, we co-sponsored a briefing, a Zoom, like a Zoom briefing for Shoals and Schools and other, anyone, uh, other institutions in which uh, the, the director of the FBI, Chris Ray. And senior leadership, um, you know, spoke to the community. They're very much on top of this uh, at DHS, at the FBI. That has been communicated down to state and local law enforcement, um, and uh, and they're very focused on it. Now, again, as as you sort of implied in your question, look, we have a we have a First Amendment in the United States, uh, so people can walk around and. Say whatever they want to say, even if it's absolutely ridiculous and and repugnant. Um, and the government can't stop that. Um, but anything that is you know moving towards uh, intimidation or incitement to violence certainly um, is something that uh, that the federal law enforcement authorities and in partnership with state and local are uh, are charged with, and and we expect will. Um, Will protect the Jewish community on, and uh, what we what we're trying to in you know what we're urging all local communities to do, and I know they've done in TNEC is is be talking with their local police, um, also engage with um, their local FBI field office, Um, and the FBI field office in New Jersey, which is based in Newark, is is very good and has people who lead it who are very sensitive to this issue um and uh and they're gonna do everything they can uh to try to keep us safe
1: yeah i was on the call with the fbi uh director a couple weeks ago it was it was good and it it was somewhat calming in that the security secure communities network and Mm -hmm. css and the government all seem to be really much working in sync with each other so that's a positive there was also a a how-to meeting that maury litwack was involved with um, a couple a few days ago i i and we did hear that the um that the feed was shut down multiple times due to threats and that even our reporter couldn't get back on the um the zoom to to even like look at the recordings because they had to password protect it because of threats. So there was just, there's just like, there continues to be things that we are, we want to be watched. We want to make sure there's a sort of a, um, a public record of that stuff. And that is something that we're doing at the Jewish link. We're, we're preparing and like a news brief right now about the kinds of threats that people need to be aware of even now. Um,
2: there are, there are, by the way, a lot of resources. If you go to the Department of Homeland Security website, the part of the the part of DHS that deals with um, you know these cyber issues is called its acronym is CISA, uh, cybersecurity and infrastructure. I forgot what, <laughs> but it's CISA, um, and they actually have a lot of resources there, just informationally and guidance to how to better protect yourselves against cyber attacks and things like that. So um, folks might want to take a look at that.
1: Right. The cyber attacks, notwithstanding, which are very important. I think that one of the things that we're that seems to be a, th- a theme in our paper this week really is um, physical attacks, the risk of physical attack and bodily harm. And I, I really think that like our government is going to need to be somehow involved with this as, we hear today about people calling for each other to take their bumper stickers off their cars if there's anything identifiably Jewish. And like, what does that mean? Are we back in 1933? Are we not allowed to wear our kippah without a baseball hat, seat um, seat out in whatever? These are things that we're concerned about, and I think we want our government to be aware that we, th- we feel that our free exercise of religion is currently being threatened.
2: Yeah. Look, and I think we have to be very careful uh, to to realize that um, this is not 1933 because the government leadership here in this country is on our side, uh, right? As opposed to the you know the Nazi German government, which was perpetrating the pro- the persecution itself. Um, we ha- government leaders here from top down, mostly the vast majority of them are on our side are speaking out or trying to protect us. Um, and that's a fundamental difference.
1: So I, I guess uh, I guess the last, the last question I wanted to um, ask, which is it's not really a question. It's sort of a, a baiting, I, I guess, um, which is m- me personally having worked on Capitol Hill and having, Uh, experienced and become burned out by the various allegiances that people have and can change. And can you talk, I guess, about the importance of building real relationships with people who are going to support the Jewish people in government?
2: Yeah, you know, it's 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 absolutely essential. Uh, you know, not to make light of it, but uh, one of the one of the sort of uh, more humorous uh, cliches uh, uh, that relates to this is uh, the saying that um, if you don't have a seat at the table, you're on the menu, and um, you know, not to be flip in in such ser- serious circumstances, but. Um, we as a community have to invest the time um, in in having relationships and and informing um, policymakers um, who are going to affect our security and welfare and that of Israel and other things that we care about. Um, and we cannot take for granted, uh, although there are many many people in politics, including national politics. Who like us, you know, believe in Israel and and uh, oppose anti semitism and so on, because that is their genuine personal belief. There are others who might, you know, be otherwise just kind of indifferent because it's not part of their value system or part of their life experience, um, and and there might be others who could be influenced in a negative direction and. Um, and we have to make the effort. And I, and I would dare say like the Orthodox community has a special responsibility to make that effort. Um, because, um, we're more knowledgeable in some ways and we're more passionate and we're more motivated generally. Um, I think again, even in in the current situation, I don't want to take away at all from, from non-Orthodox segments of the Jewish community that are really, really engaged and, and are frankly, um, just as much in pain over, over what happened. Um, they have connections um, to people in the, in the communities in the South who were, who were killed and who were taken hostage. Um, you know, cause frankly, most of those communities were full of secular Jews, not religious Jews. Um, and I, you know, and, and they know, I, I have colleagues who ha- know hostages and know, or know the families of hostages. Um, Um, and, but, uh, but, but, but in, in the Orthodox community, we really need to, we need to really step up, um, you know, in our efforts as well. And one one of the things we're, we're urging, um, you know, there's, there's a lot going on in the community. I know, uh, when I flew to Israel, my daughter lives in Teaneck. Uh, um, so I, I, I was only taking hand luggage. I was going for such a short time. I took three duffel bags that were packed in t-neck by, by you know folks to for, for a unit, and I know there's more and more like that. Um, and there's lots of tzedakah, and there's all that kind of chesed and support. Um, we need to be – we at the OU Advocacy Center are asking um, and are trying to coordinate with Shoals to be inviting their members of Congress to Shoal um, in the coming weeks. Um, we need to thank and appreciate – the members of Congress who are standing with us. Um, we need to strengthen those who might be, you know, as this goes on over a period of days or weeks or longer and things become more difficult, we need to strengthen those who might waver. Um, and, uh, and, and there's a different kind of dynamic, by the way, between a member of Congress and their constituents when they're, when they're meeting and talking back home, as opposed to down in Washington, um, and they, they're realizing that they're w- with people, you know, who are their voters, and and so on, and uh, and we think that's that's a simple step, but an important step for the community to take. I think we're also we also expect sometime soon um, to be calling people to come to Washington, but we're not we're not we're not ready for that yet, and we don't need that quite yet. Um, but but people need to engage um, with their members of Congress to keep them strong.
1: Okay, that's really good yeah. advice. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for the update, Nathan Diamond from the OU Advocacy Center.
0: Yeah. Nathan, you look really tired. So I don't. I but, to, I, but I, I don't
2: expect. I need to get at least one question from Moshe. Okay. It's <laughs> okay. Don't
0: worry about it. I just I was I was rushing. I didn't prep properly. But I will say that uh, you look pretty tired, and uh, I, I don't think you're going to be getting any more much more sleep. So that that's for sure. So keep up uh, all you are doing on behalf of the Orthodox Union and the Jewish community. So for sure.
2: Thanks, thanks for having me, and uh, we'll keep in touch.
1: Thanks for being with us on the Jewish Link Pitch Meeting Podcast. If you would like to participate or be in touch with us in any way, please email us at editor at jewishlink.news and follow us and find our podcasts wherever you find podcasts.